Father God, thank you for this day, this day that we could meet, your day, the Lord's day, that we could gather in the presence of one another and before you, our holy God. We pray earnestly that you would just remind us of the truth of this scripture. God, would you show us the, the practical application here from Leviticus chapter 8. God, I pray that we would see that as we leave here today, we are not to go and to live as those who are apart from you, but indeed as you've drawn near to us through your Son and by the pouring out of your Spirit, may we draw near to you each and every day. God, may we see that there is no longer a need to go through any one person but our high priest and our high priest alone, that is Jesus. God, would you remind us of the grace that has been freely given to us and the presence that has been bestowed upon us eternally, now, and forever within us. Father God, we just pray that you would bless this service, be with the kids um, as they're learning about you and your goodness now. And those who are apart from us, God, still remind them of your truth. Uh, those who are celebrating uh, the amen. God, be with them, bless them, and keep them. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So again, a lot of Leviticus, what we're getting uh, is, is some repeat. Uh, a lot of it should have sounded familiar because we read about these offerings already, and it's finally taking place, right? Um, you cannot get to uh, the job if you've not received um, the, the task, right? You have to know exactly what to do. So all of this time, they've been waiting uh, to, for this tent of meeting, uh, for all of the tools and for all of the offerings uh, to be told of like what to do so that the priest would actually have a job and the sacrificial system could begin to take place. And that's where we are. We're finally here at the ordination of these uh, priests and that they are finally getting ready to begin offering up these sacrifices before the Lord uh, so that God's people would be able to enter into his presence. Again, that's what Leviticus is all about. God has introduced this sacrificial system so that his people could then draw near to him again. That's the whole point. All of creation, God created humanity in his image, in his likeness, right, so that we could have communion with him, we could fellowship with him, that we could enjoy the creation that he made for us, right? Every bit of creation he made for us. He didn't make for the animals, he made for us. And the animals are within that creation and are to be taken care of by that which has created his people. And now we get to draw near to God to get a great day, but understanding of the goodness of God, a greater understanding of the grace of God, and a better, more clear understanding of the sacrifices of God and ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. Three points I want to look at as we move through Leviticus chapter 8 um, are these. It's consecrated, cleansed, and commissioned. Consecrated, cleansed, and commissioned. First point, consecrated. So this means to, to be set apart for service, right? To be set apart for a, a specific task. And here uh, in Leviticus 8, we're looking at the priest task, what they were to do and how they were being set apart for this priestly duty, uh, this job that God had called them to and that they were going to fulfill each and every day by offering up sacrifices Continually, So we have here their ordination. Now it's important to note as we move through this passage, as we move through life, that there's no longer church. We no longer have a need for a priest and your pastor, your pastors as we gain a plurality, are not priests. Okay? We are not priests. No more than you are. 
Because there's similarities for sure when we look at pastors. There's even a, a really good book, uh, Church Planter by Darren Patrick, uh, for those who are looking at going into pastoral ministry, specifically to, to plant a church. And it talks about these three offices that we see through Scripture, and we see Jesus fulfilled perfectly, and that is of priest, prophet, and king, um, that he, he fulfills, that doesn't make us priests perfectly, and that we share some of those qualities. But church, that doesn't make us prophets, that doesn't make us priests, and it doesn't make us kings. Um, but in Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus and us, we bear those qualities. Uh, we are priestly in, in our nature now that our great high priest has poured his spirit out to us. Uh, we are prophetic in going and proclaiming God's word and calling sinners to repentance. Um, so we, we do these things, but I'm not a priest as a pastor. There's this overarching theme today in this passage that we are all priests in Christ, who is our high priest, right? That's something that we all must understand. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. And that allows us as, as Christians to go out and to uh, communicate to those who are created by God the word of God. That we can go and we proclaim and we tell people the word and we report back to God and we talk to God about the people um, and, and what they're dealing with. And we, we are interceding in, in some way, shape, or form for people and pointing them to the great high priest who is at the right hand of the throne, interceding at all times for his people. 1 Peter 2.9 gives a very clear uh, depiction of this. To a, a beaten group of people, down and despised, he gives them this hope, reminding them of the glorious uh, redemption church that they have in the Lord's good. A holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So since then, you, church, are a royal priesthood chosen a prized possession because of the Lord in you, you get to go and you are called to go and to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Specifically here in chapter 8 of Leviticus, these priests, they had a job that they were getting ready to set out to do each and every single day. This was their vocation. This was their job, their one sole duty, and they were to commit themselves to it, to set themselves apart for this job for all of their life. And this job was simple, to speak to the people on behalf of God and to God on behalf of the people. So they're speaking to the people about God. This is what God says. This was commanded of God. And they go to God and they offer up sacrifices for their sins. So this is much like lawyers. I don't know who else had to deal with uh, lawyers in their life, but the, the lawyer has a job, right? They represent their client to the judge and the judge to the client. They make the law known to their client and make sure that you operate within that law. They'll check and make sure, did you operate within these bounds? If you're starting up a business, you work with a lawyer, and they say, these are the laws, that are these bounds, your uh, boundary, this is, you need to operate with inside these bounds, and if you go outside of these bounds, you could have legal issues. I'm, I see myself as the lawyer at our house, right? 
Um, not great at debating. Um, I'm not a lawyer in that sense, but I'm mediating between my daughters and my wife, right? Maybe it's the opposite when you have sons. I'm not sure, but my daughters are precious, um, and they're very valuable um, in my eyes. Uh, to my wife, too, but uh, my wife, being a woman, she sees these things in them, and, and she knows the, the ladies that they're growing up to be, and, and they kind of go back and forth, and I'm like, Aubrey, listen, I think this is what was going on. Yes, they sinned. They did wrong, Right? But what is the punishment? And she'll tell me the punishment. It's usually, Dad, you, you go straighten it out, and I go back, and I'm saying, listen, this is what your mother said. These were the bounds, and this is how you broke it. You're supposed to get two weapons. I think we can call it one. Not getting the second one's grace, right? I'm gonna, you're going to get a hug instead. Um, I'm going to withhold the, the second spanking. That's mercy. I'm going to give you love. That's grace. And we work it out. And mom and the daughter's relationship is restored, right? Uh, that is exactly what Jesus is. That's exactly what the priestly duty was, was to offer up these sacrifices so that the people being represented by the priest would be able to have a propitiation for their sins and be able to be drawn back into a relationship with their loving father. See, God didn't set up the sacrificial system to make things hard with me. For we love because he first loved us. We were not seeking God out, but he set up this system so that his people may be able to draw near to him. And at the very beginning of this, we see that Moses is told to call all the people to the tent of meeting, right? Get everybody here to witness this. And it's fitting that the people would be there to see this ordination of the priest. Matthew Henry notes that there is great significance here as the priests were to represent the people, so the people ought to take notice of what's happening. With this consecration happening, these priests being set apart for the people to be represented by them, they ought to be there. They ought to observe this process of the ones who were to be their representatives. We look at verses 10 through 12. It says, then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them, set them apart, right? Not just, not just the priest, but even the instruments. It says, he sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times and anointed the altar and all its utensils in the basin and its stand to consecrate them. And he poured out some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. And Moses brought Aaron's sons and clothed them with coats and tied sashes around their waist and bound caps on them as the Lord had commanded. So all of this stuff is being anointed by God through Moses. He's, Moses is following in obedience what God has commanded. And he's setting all of these instruments and these priests apart for the service to God. Anointing um, oil is something that you see regularly, especially in the Old Testament. It was a blessing, and it, represented, um, as, it was represented as a sign of holiness. So when you see anointing oil being used, it's a sign of holiness and being set apart, this idea of consecration within the oil itself. Psalm 23, uh, we're all familiar with, but verse 5, the psalmist says, You prepare a table for me and my in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. It's a sign of anointing, this blessing from God, this sign of holiness and consecration to service to God. Now this here in Leviticus 8 is signaling the beginning of this priestly work in which they were being set apart for by God. 
Though Moses was doing the work and consecrating it, God had told him to do so, and all of these things needed to be set apart. That's what it means to be holy. Church, we are to be holy for our Lord, our God, is holy. Be holy as he is holy. Amen? Amen. That is to be set apart. Now that the tent of meeting was complete... It was time to begin doing the work. Now that the offerings had been explained, the priests had their job, they understood what to do, they could go and do it. Now the tent of meeting, if you look up pictures, until they uh, got back to the promised land, it was this mobile tent. All the way until they, they got to the, the appointed place and then actually built the real temple, right? When we see all of these things happen and finally fulfilled. But at this point, when you read about the tent of meeting, it's this, this tent that was able to be moved and in this place, this is where the priests were to do the duty of the Lord, to offer sacrifices and to intercede for the people on their behalf to God. And now they'd received the tools and instructions. They could begin to do this work, but they needed to be committed. They needed to be consecrated and set apart specifically for this work. And we still take ordination seriously. I think of, of mine when I was hammered with questions by other pastors who had gone before me, and they asked me all these questions about pastoral ministry, practical questions about counseling, uh, theological questions. How, do you, how well do you know your Bible? First question was, have you read your Bible front to back? That's a great place to start, right? Has my pastor read his Bible front to back? And some of you are like, I haven't even read my Bible front to back. I'm not knocking you, but if you're going to get up and preach the word of God, wouldn't you want to say that you've at least read the entire word of God? There were those basic questions to make sure that I indeed had been consecrated, set apart, and committed to this holy work that God was calling me to. And this is exactly what the priests were to do. They were to commit themselves to this holy work to God and this calling from God. But to do this work, they were not simply set apart for it. They had to be cleansed, point number two. It was important that they would be cleansed and not just uh, a representative that was in the trenches and just dirty. The Lord their God is holy. They needed to be cleansed. They needed to be holy as the Lord their God is holy. If they were going to enter into the holy presence of God, then they needed to be clean. I used to, to drive my mom crazy. Um, when she remarried, it was just like little tax of like, how do I like irritate everybody in this house? Right. And I remember, um, I'd often in high school, just walk around in, in basketball shorts, uh, and just no shirt and just walking around the house trying to like intimidate my stepdad with my you know, chubby belly and just like walking around and mom would say dinner's ready. And I'd come to the table, uh, without my shirt on. She'd say, that's not how you approach this table. You need to go and put a shirt on, right? She finally had to say something because it wasn't the right uh, fit for that moment, right? And the same thing for the priests. If they were going to enter into this holy place, they needed to be cleansed. They needed to be right to approach God and his holiness, See, this is so important uh, that we understand, again, when we look at the holiness of God, how real it is. Because we read in the scriptures about priests, and you even hear in, in history, about priests falling into sin and dying for approaching God and his holiness when they themselves were not clean. 
there's legends about ropes, and we know that they had bells, right, when they were entering in, but um, there's an old legend being pulled out with a rope to an end to the Holy of Holies and, and died, and the high priest was out. It was serious. Whether it's a legend or not, it's absolutely serious. We know that priests have died for not being clean. We read about some being consumed by fire. So to follow through with the offerings to the Lord, it's not just the people that needed to be clean. It's not just the the church that needs to hear the word of God. It's the pastors that also need to hear and to follow and to be obedient to the word of God. It starts here at the altar, but it goes out into the streets and into the homes of God's people as we go where God's called us to live. We go where God has called us to work. We work with a good and godly work ethic. We parent with a a godly discipline. We love with a, a compassionate heart that can only be given by God to those around us, to our spouses, to our friends. But we do that by being obedient to his word and his word alone and it has to start at the top they have an old saying of um, crud rolls downhill right but obedience does too because if if we are led by those who are wicked then we will get the result of wickedness now if we are led by holiness it doesn't mean that you're always going to get holiness because we are indeed wicked people by our nature but you will begin to see more holiness than you would from that of a wicked leader. I mean, we see it politically, we see it scripturally, biblically, practically. So the priests were also human offerings, but they themselves need to be cleansed. See, the priests were also humans. Pastors are also humans, but pastors are not priests. We all need to be cleansed. And the priest needed a blood sacrifice to be cleansed. You see, uh, there's this, this water. They, they were washed with water. In verse 6, Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. This is the first thing of cleansing. Don't read that and think like Aaron and his sons were just nasty West Virginians uh, who didn't take baths. They only dipped in the creek. Um, they needed wash. So it symbolized this washing away of sins. And not only that, but this atonement for them with the blood sacrifice that was given. They needed a heart disposed to that of praise and thanksgiving. They needed a, a blood sacrifice to cleanse and atone for their sins. And we see that in verses 23 and 24 where it says this it says and he killed it and Moses took some of its blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear and on the right thumb and the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot then he presented Aaron's sons and Moses put some of the blood on the lobes of their right ears and on the thumbs of their right hands and on the big toes of the right feet and Moses threw the blood against the sides of the altar see this blood that was placed on them wasn't just that of like the Lion King where it's like symbolic. It really meant something. It's a sacrifice and it's a symbolic that they were being cleansed by the blood of the sacrifice that was presented to God. There's now we bridge that gap and the scriptures point to the Messiah and they always speak of there having to be a blood payment. Our sin church, every sin that I've committed, every transgression you've committed, requires a payment by blood. For Hebrews 9.22 writes this, Indeed, under the law almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins. So if we want forgiveness of sins, the bridging of the gap, the redemption of man to the holy God who sent his son to die for them, then we need the shedding of blood. This was a requirement. 
It was a must. It wasn't an option. To those without a blood sacrifice, specifically now knowing more fully that the sacrifice is the blood of Jesus being poured out on behalf of his people, if we have not that, then we have nothing. For the shedding of Christ's life on the cross was the beginning of life for sinful man. Anytime Aubrey and I like end up in a spat, you know, like if the the once in a blue moon where uh, she does something wrong, it's usually me. You know, I apologize a lot. I've learned to say sorry. Um, that's one word I can spell and say correctly. Um, know it all too well. But the one one moment every so often when when Aubrey says I'm sorry, I just say, rub my head and you're forgiven. Right, just little head rub. I just. My head is just so sensitive. I just love having my head rubbed. Shop and I went. There was a, a Barbie night up at the Common Ground, and I, I had to sneak away from the coffee shop. And I went into Nelson's, and I pulled this this Ken hair off this this wig that I had, and I started rubbing my head. And I was just like, "This feels so good." And Nelson was just laughing at me because that's just it's a great spot. So it's just the easy payment uh, for the sins of Aubrey and the transgressions against me. Um, if she just rubs my head, it'll be forgiven. The payment of blood was God's payment, one that he required. And though my payment request is not just, it's, it's just some silly thing that I, I do to um, just try and make light of a, a terrible moment or not so terrible, whatever may have happened or, or uh, taken place, our sin against the holy God leads us to damnation. It's very serious. And God said at the very beginning that if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. And indeed they did, though their lungs continued to breathe and to produce oxygen and in and out. Spiritually, they were dead. And the only way to be forgiven was by this sacrifice. And these priests had been consecrated, and now they were being cleansed by this sacrifice so that they could offer up cleansing to those around them, the people, so that they could now intercede because that person who, who is going to take this position of high priest needed to be cleansed and truly church needed to be perfect. The people needed a holy representative. You see, you wouldn't, we, we love picking people who are kind of like, ah, I love this person because they're not like a, a lifelong politician. We like that. They kind of represent us. But when it comes to the one who is paying the price for the people, he had to be perfect. He came, Jesus came in the form of the man. He was tempted like we are. But he was perfect. And had he not been perfect, church, there's no atonement for our sins. There's no forgiveness of sins, for his blood would have been that of our blood. Wretched. But the precious blood of the lamb was spilled so that we may have life. We need a perfect mediator. You want a good representative. Literally, you read about the breastplate that, that the, priest, the high priest wore. And on that, that breastplate, there was 12 gems, and it was representing the 12 tribes. It was really like a jersey for the high priest because when they went in to represent the people to offer up these sacrifices, God literally could see that and saw the 12 tribes as they were represented before God, and the offering that was being offered up to God was represented through those 12 tribes. They were literally going in to represent the people. They themselves had to be clean as they offered up these sacrifices so that God's people may be clean also. And at this point, 
we see the priests are commissioned. Point number three. They offer up sacrifices. There's an offering, the ordination offering that we didn't read about before because it comes here and they follow through with that and they start offering the offerings. And it says for seven days you'll continue to do that which God has commanded. At this moment, it all began. You all remember when you started your first job? You were given uh, the tools to do the job, the description of the job. And then you went in for your first day. And many of us have never looked back. If, if some of you all have been able to, to quit your jobs and just quit working, you've hit retirement, that never happened here, right? I remember at 17 walking into Best Buy, and little did I know I was never not going to work again, ever. And the way retirement's getting pushed back and Social Security and everything, I was talking to somebody, I'm just going to work until I die, right? And hopefully, Lord willing, I'll just continue preaching. Uh, we'll get to go through Genesis through Revelation. You all think Leviticus is crazy, but we're just going to do it all if I uh, live long enough. But this was their job, and now they were committed to it, they were cleansed for it, and they were commissioned now to continue day by day offering up these sacrifices. You see, it seems so little here, but the significance is that in Jesus, we don't have to continue offering up sacrifices. These priests had a job, and though it fulfilled all of their life, it took up all of their time, they were committed to it, there was a sacrifice that was made once and for all so that we, church, don't have to go and offer up these sacrifices anymore. For we have the sacrifice of God paid on the cross, the Spirit poured out, so that you no longer have to come here to draw near to God, but each and every day you get to pray without ceasing, you get to offer up grace to those around you, mercy to those around you, you get to ask for forgiveness from God, you get to ask for forgiveness. See, they were commissioned, they had a job, they were set apart for a church. We also have been set apart for a job. See, Christ in Greek uh, means the anointed one. So Jesus was anointed, he was set apart for this holy work, to be the propitiation for our sins. That's the payment, to pay for the sins of his people so that we may have life, and in him we have a job. And church, we have the tools we have this, this description of what we, God's people, are to do according to God's word. For Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of the nations, baptizing of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now take that seriously. Don't take that as, as something we ought to put on the wall, as some motivational thing to get us out of this church to go and be nice this week, but rather to go and to make disciples of all the nations. We do so by partnering with missionaries and other church plants all around the world. You can go and look at the mission board and see those families that we're supporting overseas. We are a church from Medina reaching the nation through our brothers and sisters whom we support. But we also have a job not just to financially support them, but where God has sovereignly placed you here in Medina, teach those in your life to observe all behold I'm with you in church, not behold I'm with you always to the end of the age. Not behold I'm with you in church, not behold I'm with you in the temple, behold I'm with you if you make sacrifices. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And he says I'm with you always the end of the age. Christ was the anointed one. Christ is the one who cleanses us 
has washed our sins away by the pouring out of his blood. Not only do we have the description, we have the tools. Christ is the anointed one, indeed. In 1 John 2, verses 18 through 20, it's not going to be on the screen, but if you all would listen with me. It says, children, it is the last hour. And, have you, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would, not have, or they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. Church, we have people come and go from this church, um, and that is between them and the Lord, and we are to love them, we are to call them to repentance, we are to call them to, to faith. But to you who are here, remember, as the scriptures say, you have been anointed by the Holy One. You, church, have been set apart, and we get the anointed one, the Holy Spirit, to, to dwell inside of us, to convict us of sin, and of righteousness. Now the application here is, yes, you're commissioned. But what can you do? Ben, you can come back up. I want us to begin to really think about that. All right, yes, don't, don't take everything as just some big blanket statement. Love your neighbor. We turned love your neighbor into to love your community, right? We just love everybody who's in Medina. But no, think about your actual neighbors that God has chosen you to live beside of. For whatever reason, God placed you in that house. He made you like click heart on Zillow and you're like, I love that house. I'm going to buy that house. But God had a plan for that house. He had a plan for the neighbors he placed around you, whether or not they're believers. If they're believers, work together. If they're not believers, work to reach them. Invite them over for dinners. Go over for dinners. Don't just be the Christian that invites people to your home. Go into the homes of others. See how they live and call them to the love of the Lord who called you out of darkness. How are we using our gifts? You see, all of us have been gifted in the Lord. How are we using that to serve? We've got some folks doing it right now with the kids. There's, there's service that in our neighborhoods, church building on Sunday mornings. There's service that we must do outside of the church in our neighborhoods, in our community as a whole, to reach the nations starting here in Medina. How are you taking the commission seriously? How am I fulfilling the great commission that we have from the word of God? See, consider the fact that all of these sacrifices have been done away with because of the final sacrifice of Christ Jesus. How, how often I take it for granted that we don't have to come here. You know, this, this, this space right here yesterday did not look like this. It looked like a, a wedding shower. Right? It was, it was all decorated and, and beautiful, right? And today we're in here worshiping, but yesterday, where were we worshiping? Because the worship isn't to stop here when this final song ends and Nelson says, go and have a great day and everybody um, have a good week and, and love your neighbor, right? It doesn't end there. It really begins there. This is the first day of the week, right? 
So how are we carrying momentum to remember the truth that we must be going and making disciples and caring for the needs of others? Some of you all have the gift of hospitality. How are you being hospitable? How are you inviting um, those who aren't in your super inner circle, which is good to have? How are you sacrificing a night to have your neighbor over to possible bless? How are we inviting our neighbors in to come into our homes and to have and share a meal with us? It's one of the most intimate times you can have with somebody. Even if you've never known them, you start eating and you just start talking. And even more so to, to somehow find your way into their home legally, be invited over for dinner, and then you get to see the things that they do and the things that they like, and then that really sparks the conversation because then you can start to ask them about their life. Some of you have the gift of teaching, but really don't want to become a teacher. Don't waste that gift. There's different avenues, right? It's not just about preaching. Preaching is a form of teaching indeed, but there are plenty of ways to teach. You can teach with the kids. You can teach with the youth, right? Speaking of youth, we've got some youth in here, some kids. How are you guys serving? See, it shouldn't be this movement to where we're building you up, building you up, and when you turn 18, you hit the legal age, right? That's some kind of Americanized idea that when you're 18, then you're going to begin serving the church. You get to serve the church now by going and being the church serving outside of the church, going evangelizing. Some of you kids have the gift of evangelism and teaching. I mean, the easiest way to serve is just get involved and start running slides. You kids know technology better than any of us. Maybe you can fix some of our issues. Sean's already working on plenty of them. Run slides. Join the welcome team. But if you have a gift, and indeed you do, and you recognize and know what it is, and you don't waste it, you have the description, you've, you've received the command, and you've been given the tools. Go and make disciples. Go and serve others. Go and call them out of darkness and tell them about the God that brought you out of darkness. Church, go ahead and stand. We're going to sing one last song. Praise be to God that we don't have to offer these sacrifices. And praise be to God, especially for any introverts out there, that we don't have to go through anybody to get to talk to God. For indeed, you should be talking to him now, when you leave here, and this evening, tomorrow morning, and forever and ever. God has drawn near to us through the anointed one, having poured out his spirit, so that we may have the seal of redemption and the way of knowledge to know his word, and to follow through with obedience. Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you for this time. God, I pray that we would be a faithful, faithful people. God, we can only do that if we recognize that the power is within us, the power is not us. The moment we realize that you've poured out your spirit to give us boldness, to give us wisdom, to give us strength, to give us every single thing that we need that we don't have apart from you. God, the moment we realize that, it's the moment we're gonna become on fire, just catch fire. So God, would you just, just reach into our hearts and share that truth? God, encourage the person who feels like they don't have the adequate words, the knowledge to speak. God, remind them it's not about them, it's not about me, but it's about you. And God, you gave Moses the words to say, you, you, you gave him the leadership skills to lead your people, and Moses knew, just as you said, you would lead him despite his weakness. 
God, and we go out this week faithfully knowing and trusting that you're going before us, you're leading the way, you're opening the doors, and God, we'll be faithful to go through knowing that we have the power inside of us now, having received the anointed one. God, we love you, we praise you. You and you alone deserve the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.